So hey everybody, this is Eric Mann, the host of Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show on KPFK 90.7 FM every Tuesday at 3 p.m. This is a historic show in preparation for a historic victory. Board member Monica Garcia, with whom we've worked on so many social justice issues, has introduced what I really believe is a historic motion. We call it 507590, LESPD, by 50% in 2021, 75% in 2022, and 90% in 2023, and we believe by that time, history will have moved way faster. And I think we'll have a police-free public school even sooner. It takes a lot of courage to come out and create a real motion that has substance. This motion is enthusiastically supported by Black Lives Matter, with whom we work closely. And Dr. Melina Abdullah will also be on the show today. It's endorsed by Students Deserve, the Brothers Son Selves Coalition, in which we are an active part. And now we got to get three more votes with Monica Garcia to make this historic motion a reality. Monica, great to have you on Voices. How are you doing? And then after you say hi and a few things, we'd love you to read the motion because I think it's that important word for word. Great to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks. Happy to be here. So let's start with the most, I think, far-reaching motion so far on police in the schools and everywhere. In the middle of all this defund police, history is made by people who jump out ahead and ask other people to come rather than stay where everybody is and hope you're going to get somewhere. You have done something truly historic that's gonna shape, I believe, the whole debate about school police and the whole defund the police movement. Given that, before any introduction, why don't you read your motion because it's so compelling and then I'll, of course we'll talk about the process and how we're gonna to try to get four votes tomorrow. Born 20 days after the walkouts of East LA and I've benefited from the activists of the world every single day. So my motion, reimagining school safety and investing in our highest needs students, it, it says, whereas the Los Angeles Unified School District has interrupted structural racism and classism by increasing access and opportunities for all students and has perpetuated structural racism and classism by failing to educate all children at high levels with equitable opportunities, Whereas Black Lives Matter, founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murder, has grown to a national intersectional movement to affirm Black people's humanity, global contributions to society, and resilience in the face of deadly police and vigilante oppression. Whereas the murder of George Floyd, a 46-year-old Black man, by police in Minneapolis, Minnesota, triggered a multiracial, multi-generational demonstrations and protests in US cities and around the world against police brutality, structural racism, and lack of police accountability. Whereas the Million Dollar Hoods Project at UCLA found that black youth account for 8% of the district students, but they accounted for 25% of all arrests. Whereas the Brothers Sun Selves Coalition Safety and Youth Justice Survey found that over 43% of the district's youth who took the survey have experienced random police stops and interaction in their schools, Whereas African-American children in the district have been disproportionately impacted by the pervasive school-to-prison pipeline and discipline policies that have led them to being suspects, suspended, expelled, arrested, pushed out of schools, thus limiting their opportunities to benefit from the promise of a quality public education, whereas the district's leadership, staff, 
and Los Angeles Police Department have made significant efforts to address education neglect and malpractice, yet in spite of this, racial disproportionality exists in student investment, achievement, and discipline. Whereas the district's leadership has made a concerted effort to move away from punitive practices and policies that criminalize young people and has implemented the School Climate Bill of Rights, school-wide positive behavior intervention systems and restorative justice practices, whereas the district has adopted the Student Equity Needs Index as a means to address the significant barriers faced by communities of color, and whereas the superintendent has formed a task force to make recommendations on safety policy and practice, now therefore be it resolved that the governing Stop board of the Los Angeles Unified Stop. School District me, directs the superintendent to reduce the budget of the Los Angeles School Police Department starting with the 2021-2022 school year and begin a transition plan to provide alternative safety and support strategies consistent with budget reductions of 50% in the 2021-2022 school year, 75% in the 2022-2023 school year and 90% in the 2023 and 2024 school year. Resolved further that the school board shall direct all funds reduced from the LASPD budget for fiscal year 2021 and 2022 and subsequent years thereafter to the Student Equity Needs Index for distribution to highest need schools in support of African American students. Resolved further that the board acknowledges its responsibility to address the physical, emotional, and psychological violence brought on by structural racism through trauma-informed care, curriculum, professional development, hiring allocations of resources and accountability and be it finally resolved that on an annual basis in the first board meeting in June, the superintendent will report to the board a summary of achievements and investments being implemented to address the progress on the success of African-American students. That's it. That's it. Well, let me say, you know, most of the time we don't want to hear the whereas's because the elected officials go, whereas, whereas, whereas slavery, and that's why we want the police to wear khakis. Or, you know, their av, their av, and whatever. The reason your whereas's were important is because your punchline was so good. And that's what makes history, you know, that that's why it's very important. As a Latina and as a leader, I have to say that this is the kind of multiracial unity we want, where you lead a dedicated call to help all students, but in particular focusing on Black Lives Matter and Black students. That's part of the history. I just want to say the only thing that I would hope you would continue to look at is a greater focus on making sure the money goes directly to black students in black schools, because there's a, some ambiguity there. But the main point is this is the building block for an amazing conversation. There are times in history where the Red Sea does open. And as an organizer, you have no idea what it's like. Well, yes, you do, because you're an organizer inside the board. We are going, no police in the schools, no police in the schools. Channing ran on city council. Cut the OAPD by 50%. People go, yeah, that's a good idea. All of a sudden, thanks to the black movement and, and the Latino movement, all of us who have built the groundwork, this has not come out of nowhere. But there's a moment in history, and we are so sorry about the murders. But how amazing that it will trigger a historic response. So this is great. Let me ask a couple of questions. You now have one vote. We heard that the United Teachers of Los Angeles came out with a very strong statement today that both supported your motion and asked others to drop their motion, which is, I think, historic on their part, because I want to be clear to our listeners that there's another motion by board member Jackie Goldberg that we think is not helpful. It's not moving in the same direction as Monica's, 
we think it's moving in a series of reforms that, while not intended, are deceptive and are not what is historically needed right now. So we are asking board member Jackie Goldberg and all the other board members to support Monica Garcia's motion and to withdraw any other motions to not muddy the waters when something so great is being done. So Monica, what's it like being out in left field with us? So let me just say that I find great responsibility to this moment on several fronts. Our children and families are dealing with the horrors of a public health crisis, of an economic crisis. For schools, the governor has announced that we should be prepared for 10 to 22% cuts. And there is pain in the community around the license to kill that is afforded to our law enforcement. So I think what's important is in this moment, LA Unified must respond. LA Unified must unite with the globe that is calling on all of us to re-examine investments and outcomes. Because as noted, we share the responsibility of every now and then we interrupt poverty. LA Unified must make sure that we're investing every dollar to help interrupt the cycle that we know exists. And that means we must join with people to say our dollars have to be used for reading and writing and interrupting and addressing the social ills that call on all of us to do something different. So we are, we are being asked to redefine safety. We're being asked to transition away from a strategy of investing in police in our schools. And I have to say that we know doing our best is not good enough in this moment. I think it's great. And I think one of the things, Monica, is that, because you and I talk, is the reason we do this work is there are moments. We don't know when they are. It's usually sparked by Black Rebellion, I have to say, that is sparked by the dreamers who finally told Obama, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, they took over his offices during his election. They were not nice, and they won. You know, he was the deporter-in-chief. And then the dreamers, well, now everybody loves the dreamers as if they're just the nice kids. They made history because they upped the ante. So we are proud at the Strategy Center, we always try to up the ante. But we often don't have enough forces. So we often try to jump ahead, set the terms of the debate, reach out to all our allies, reach out to elected officials such as Monica Garcia, and sometimes it's a little slow in the world. And then events happen, such as the murder of Trayvon Martin or George Floyd, that change history. So what I would want to add on my couple of minutes is that supporting you, the federal government has now printed more than three or four trillion dollars to just give to, to corporate America. And it's, it's beyond anything you can understand. You don't know what quantitative easing means. It just means that the federal government is saying there will be no charge for our money. You'll, you'll pay nothing to borrow. And then you could charge seven or eight or 12 or 15% on people, but you're gonna get the money free. As the COVID-19 cloud lifts a little, we're gonna go back into our community and see a devastation that is beyond any comprehension. We're gonna see poverty and homelessness and evictions and despair. So this motion is right on time and we're gonna to have to have a series of financial struggles because we didn't pay for the COVID-19, we didn't cause it, but our communities are the ones that are suffering. So my last question is, as you would always tell me, that's great, Eric, but where's the votes? So let me say it to you that we have already said, whether or not Monica Garcia gets one vote more, this motion, even if they voted down six to one, which we don't think they will, is now gonna set the conversation and we will move the votes to the, the motion rather than trying the motion, move the motion towards the board members. So the fact that you have held out and said, no, this is my motion. I think you've caused panic inside everybody. So congratulations for being a panic causer. Um, what's your plan to get three more votes? 
So um, my plan is to continue to work with our community, our students, our parents. Uh, the, the revolution that is happening at the mo moment must evolve the thinking of those who wish to sit on the school board. And it does it today, tomorrow, or the next day. We are not going to give up until all children have what they deserve. And I'm just going to say that I know the board members care about children, communities, and uh, progress. And I know that they are wrestling with their who they're representing. So we need four votes on the school board to cause a policy change. I am going to continue to be the voice of the people who I represent. And those are so many of the young people that have not yet been served well by public education and who are facing tremendous challenge in this moment of 2020 June Los Angeles. Well, Pretty amazing. You, you actually sound like a civil rights organizer, which you are, uh, who happens to sit on the board rather than a board member who's trying to understand this stuff. So it's terrific leadership. Um, I, I believe that we will win. We really mean this, Monica. We're going to win. And thank you for giving us the chance to win. So best of luck to you. And, you know, I'll be seeing you in six minutes, 29 minutes, four days, yes. two days. We'll all be there tomorrow. I want to say one thing to the young people who have been in our schools and in the neighborhood and in the streets. I just want you to know, regardless of the vote tomorrow, you have already earned a very important lesson in being who you are, in speaking up, and in being leadership in our community. I want to make sure that the young people who have fought so hard to make our community stronger, understand that it's never over. We just move it forward. Thank you, Eric, and all of you. All right. Take good care, everybody. Thank you, Monica Garcia. And we're going to take a short break. You're on Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement building show. You're on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. And check us out on our own terrific website run with my partner, Channing Martinez, called VoicesFromTheFrontLines.com. Take good care, Monica, and I'll see you soon. We're on Voices From The Frontlines, your national movement building show. This is Eric Mann, the host. I'm with Channing Martinez, my co-host and the producer. We're very happy to have Dr. Melina Abdullah on the show right now. We've had you on many times, but there are sometimes better than others. This is a historic moment. How are you feeling and what are you doing? And of course, we're talking about getting the LASPD out of the schools altogether. Yes. And that's so invigorating and encouraging to witness these students, parents, teachers, community members all say if there's a place for abolition, for police abolition, let's start with our schools. Uh, police do not belong in our schools. And so we're hearing a, a unified voice and we're hoping that tomorrow will be another historic day. You know, we've been, um, I don't know who George Floyd was in life, but I know that his spirit is resonating throughout the globe because all kinds of sweeping changes are um, kind of raging across the globe. So we have um, a commitment to, um, to roll back the way in which police respond in all kinds of cities, including Los Angeles, um, San Francisco, and other places. And we're looking forward to that happening um, nationwide, especially in our schools. Well, you know, tomorrow, as you know, uh, board member Monica Garcia is introducing what we think is a very strong motion that we've all endorsed, starting with cutting the LASPD by 50%, then 75%, then 95%, uh, 90%. Uh, as I told her on this interview, it's going to get to 100% faster than they think. Once we start saying it's 50%, then we're just going to go right away and try to get it all done. But it is a terrific motion. And I also told her that there needs to be a stronger, clear language about the allocation of funds to Black students in their schools and Black students wherever they are. And that's a motion that somebody should make because this equity index 
is good, but it, it's sort of random. You know, if you get a good score on the index, you get more money. We say that we don't want the index. We want direct funding of black schools and direct funding of black children. Um, how does it feel to be making such de sweeping demands and then walking in hopefully tomorrow at the OA uh, USD board meeting and seeing if we can win this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to see if we're going to win this. We're going to demand a win, right? That we're yep. demanding, you know, there's energy all around the world now um, that is amplifying, that is um, lifting up and agreeing with the calls that we've been making for a long time to defund the police. And I think that where we have um, almost unanimity is that our children should not be policed while they're in school. And I'm speaking not just as an organizer, but as a parent of three LAUSD children, two of whom have been over-policed in schools. Actually, all three have been visited by police in school. Um, my middle daughter especially has had an ongoing fight um, with her school about the way in which they've called police on her as a young black girl as beginning in sixth grade, well, her first interaction was actually first grade, but in sixth grade, just the regularity with which one teacher in particular would call the police on an 11 year old little black girl, first for having a quote unquote look in her eye, then for doing things that 11 year olds do like having slime in her pocket. That is not an appropriate response to a child. You don't call the police on children for doing what children do. And so I think that we are calling on schools to be places of education, places of nurturing, places that help our children step into their fullest and most complete selves, not split spaces where they're repressed and criminalized and tracked really for the school to prison pipeline. Absolutely, and very well said. You know that Strategy Center has also been working on the no police in the schools for at least five years. And one of the things we've been saying is the very existence of the police, regardless of their also terrible behavior, is a racial oppression that has a profound in influence on Black and Latino students. And we don't, and, and they're also their behavior is terrible. But the point is, there should school and police should not even be in the same sentence. So I think what you've done is bring tremendous force between students deserve and Black Lives Matter. I mean, how does it feel when uh, what the mayor of DC puts Black Lives Matter on, on the street? I mean, how are you feeling about the escalation of support for the work you've done? So I think the moral support is of course encouraging. It's encouraging that the tide is shifting in this country where, you know, just a few years ago, Black Lives Matter was put on a list by the current occupant of the White House. Um, and he framed us as something that we absolutely are not, but he might have been projecting, right? When he pretended as if saying Black Lives Matter is a terrorist statement, right? And there was this whole Black identity extremist report and these efforts to um, say that when you advocate for black life, you're doing something that's wrong. So the moral support where you're having um, politicians and uh, celebrities and even corporations saying black lives matter, um, that is absolutely a turning of the tide. However, we need more than you know uh, Netflix to put a Black Lives Matter statement on the home screen. Uh, what we need is um, people to put their body, their voices, and their resources um, in place. So for corporations, if you believe Black Lives Matter, you need to have corporate policies that you don't call the police on Black people. And I'm thinking about places like 24-hour fitness and Walmart that directly led to the deaths of black patrons um, by calling the police on them. I'm thinking about also politicians who might say black lives matter, but then fund the police, right? So I'm sure Eric Garcetti and all of his liberal politicism wouldn't have any problem saying black lives matter. However, he still wants to spend 54% of the city's general fund on police. So painting the street in front of the White House 
with the words Black Lives Matter is one thing, but we also know that Mayor Bowser has had ongoing challenges with um, a very deadly and brutal police force in, the, in Washington, D.C., and our chapter in D.C. is not a fan of Mayor Bowser. And so more than saying it, we need people to be doing it. Actually make Black Lives Matter. Don't just speak the words. And that's why we're going to the Los Angeles Unified School District tomorrow. There'll be a demonstration outside. We've asked board member Garcia to see if she could be inside because we asked the whole board to be inside. Uh, they want to sort of do a remote racism and we'd like them to show up and take responsibility for this vote. So I think you provide tremendous leadership. Um, we are going to win tomorrow. And I think it's a very good thing that the Los Angeles, uh, the United Teachers of Los Angeles, issued a strong statement in support of Monica Garcia's motion. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and called on Jackie Goldberg to drop hers, which was very courageous because yeah. that other motion, we call it the opposition motion, the deception motion, it's not congruent with anything we fought for. It's ha asking the police to wear khakis asking the police, you know, it's all these ridiculous things that miss this historic moment. Uh, I want to thank you for really for contributing to history in a way that history is made in the present. We're working with Students Deserve, the Strategy Center. We're working with Brothers, Sons, Selves, Channing Martinez and Barbara Lott Holland are playing a really strong leadership role, as is Bridget Amaya, one of the, the, our lead organizer. I think this is also a great time for coalitional politics where instead of the coalition weakening things, which often is what happens, this time maybe through force and persuasion, the coalitions are actually following instead of trying to lead. Absolutely. And the kid the the young people, the students are really in front of it, you know? So watching the way in which these students are audaciously saying, no, we don't want just a little bit. We want police completely out of our schools. And the, the young people, the children, as young as elementary school age, are in the lead of this movement. And the parents, teachers, community members, organizations are following the demands of the students. And that's the way it should be. And so we're extremely proud. As a mom of three of the kids who are involved in this effort, we're extremely proud and encouraged by their work as well as their vision. And we heard Thandi speak at the at the uh, rally. Pretty impressive. Yeah. So, pretty impressive. Thandi Way and Amara spoke. Right. So my 13 and 16-year-olds both spoke. Good work, comrade. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and my grandchildren are going to be there soon. They're already marching in Black Lives Matter. So. Yeah, they marched with us on Friday. <laughs> so yep. uh, thanks to my daughter, Celia Ward-Wallace, and my son-in-law, Joe Ward-Wallace, for producing such beautiful grandchildren, and the revolution continues. Yeah, Ashe. Last, you. you get the last word, as always. Thank you so much for your work, for our comrades and students deserve, from UTLA, and especially our young people. So let's um, draw inspiration from them. Let's win in LAUSD tomorrow. And let's also, if you are not a parent, teacher, student, community member in LAUSD, let's abolish police in your school district. We can, we're just regular people making a demand that's in the best interest of our children. So we challenge everyone to make those same demands so that we can build schools into what they're intended to be. And as they say, word, <laughs> for everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> Take good care of yourself. Appreciate you. So welcome back, everybody. You're on Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. I work closely, of course, with my comrade, Jenny Martinez, who's the co-host and the producer of the show. We also work with Kiana Williams, a terrific sound editor, who by the time you hear this makes us sound better than we did. So the importance today is that this show, I think, is historic because we're in a historic moment. First, we had a wonderful conversation with board member Monica Garcia, who's introduced 
a tremendous motion to cut police by 50%, then 75%, then 90%. As we keep saying, once you get any cuts in the police, it's going to move. They're going to move against it. But I believe it's going to move faster and faster. But we have one problem. They still have guns. So let's not assume that they will go down lightly. That's a problem we got to address. Because I believe that if we vote the police out, there's the danger of them starting an armed insurrection. I don't mean don't do it. I just mean know what we're playing, what these people don't play. They all act nice. And that's why we have to get them out of the school. Then we had an interview with Dr. Melina Abdullah, the leader and visionary of Black Lives Matter LA. Um, I've heard her do an interview where she said, you know, we used to be hot seven years ago. Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Now I even can't get on the damn TV anymore. And now she's back. So it's not about the TV. It's about making history. But history is made by real people. The Strategy Center has worked for five, six years talking to board members about no police in the schools. We've talked to people in the community about no police in the schools. We have helped to shift the debate as just one force of many. But there is a moment when certain forces have to come into play if you're going to win. I want to be clear. There is no way the Strategy Center alone could have gotten the LA USD to vote for no police in the schools. It took the murder of George Floyd and the international uproar, and then it took the leadership of Black Lives Matter and Students Deserve. We're happy to be on that team. And as Dr. Molina corrected me, we're going to win. So with that, I want to talk with one of the organizers on the ground because what you don't understand about us I'm talking about Barbara Lott Holland and Channing Martinez and Bridget Amaya and a lot of the students we work with, is this is a daily grind. I mean, there are whole months and years where you're doing the work and you feel like there's very little response and you don't know, some days you wake up and say, why am I doing this? It just takes a minute or two and then you say, I remember, and you go back to doing it. But this is a moment that for a 20-year-old, Bridget Amaya, who's the lead organizer of the Labor Community Strategy Center, and who's been working on no police in the schools. I wonder what's going on in your head, Bridget. Welcome to Voices from the Frontlines on KPFK 90.7 FM. Like to hear what's going on in your head and what are you thinking? Hello, Eric. Thank you for having me on the show today. Um, I think like one of the main things that I'm really thinking about is that this is just the start to removing school police. Because if we just you know, there's just so many things that our school system needs that they've neglected for so long. We want to be able to push them in that direction now. So we don't want, so we want to take the school police out. We want more counselors. We want more social workers who are full-time at the schools. And we want full-time nurses. We don't want a nurse that's just there Wednesday. And I have to be sick on Wednesday to go see the nurse. Or I have to get injured on Wednesday. Uh, because that's what happened to me when I attended LAUSD school at Augusta F. Hawkins High School. The nurse was only there Wednesday, and even when she was there, she would do the bare minimum to help any wow. student. Wow. Physically. Well, let's take that for a minute because, you know, the problem, this is great what you just said, because the problem of a colonial system, it's an integrated system. People say counselors, not cops. We want more nurses. But that doesn't mean you're not going to have racism among nurses. It doesn't mean you're going to have racism among counselors, even of color. It doesn't mean that because it's a colonial system. So we have to have a revolution in who are the counselors? Who are the nurses? How do we screen them? I, what you said is terrific. So that's, let's put the, why don't you write that, Bridget? I mean it. Keep going, you know, keep, keep going. So tell us more what you're feeling as a 20-year-old organizer who's now in, in some way we call it the young veterans. I mean, you are. You know, this is your fifth year of doing this. Channing is... 32 is, is the 17th year of doing this. So where, what are you talking about with the young people, the other students in our Taking Action Social Justice Clubs? What's the conversation like with them? Well, I think right now, when I st first started having these conversations with them about the uprising, it was really focused on why people are so angry. Why are people, sh 
protesting? Why are people looting? Why are people rioting? You know, and I think it was really not to show, it was really to show that people are angry and we need to fight against what's going on to be able to live a future that we all have some sort of peace within us where we all aren't scared to walk down the street and a police officer pulls up and starts harassing us. Or when we're going down to the market, we don't have um, one of the associates that work there just watching us as we shop. You know, I think we, what, we're, what I've been trying to do with the students is really paint a picture with what, what kind of lifestyle we can have with no police in schools and what other resources can be in schools if we do remove the police out of schools because of the funding that police get. I think police, they get, in 2017, they received more than $67 million just for that school year. So who knows how much money they're getting, you know, that they're not showing us. And even the, and the whole idea that the school police was involved in the program called 1033, where they received free military weapons. All they had to do was pay for shipping. <laughs> so they received one tank, three grenade launchers, and 61 assault rifles to use against the students. You know, if, if this is the type of police force that we have in our schools, what does that really show? Because it's not they're not there to protect the students. They're really there to harm the students in any way that they can. Well, I think what you're saying, I mean, I, I don't want to always say you're great, but what we're trying to understand is that we're trying to build a philosophical and strategic understanding of a colonial system. You know, it's funny, we, the strategy center says, stop genocide against the black nation. Oh, people go, yeah, whatever. But now I think people are open to stop genocide against the black nation. I think what, what you're doing that's very important is we want to look at every aspect of a very integrated system. It's ideologically colonial. It's ideologically trying to make oppressed nationality people feel very bad about themselves as a form of subjugation. So when the strategy centers talk to young women who say that the LASPD is a walking sexual harassment machine, when 13-year-olds are told the best way to avoid police brutality is flirt with the police that make them feel better, what happens to that child who thinks she's so clever? What's going to shape her relationship with men, women, herself? So we get deep into it because we're deep into the students with whom we work. And, you know, we work with Sophia Thielmans. We work with Gianna Magdaleno. We work with Cassandra and Angela Soriano. We work with, hopefully, when the COVID stops or the COVID slows down, which is a whole other story because the system is not going to stop it. So pardon my stream of consciousness. But the point is, when they say Black Lives Matter, and we do say Black Lives Matter, we also care that Latinas are being oppressed. And this Black Latin, we have a slogan called Build a Black Latinx Third World Alliance. And it's very important. Have you been following either Channing or Bridget, any of the international protests that's going on? I have not followed as much as I should. Have either of you? Um, from what I've been seeing is mainly on social media and I've been seeing like Paris, um, you know, they're also protesting too. They're out in the streets because they're not, what they're also saying is that um, Black Lives Matter do not only, is not only associated with the United States. It's not only Black people in the United States facing racism, it's Black people all over the world, which is, I think, you know, with the uprisings here in the United States, that's what really encouraged, like for Paris, to also start protesting. And I also think in some parts of the UK, because I also see that they're trying, they're tearing down um, a lot of colonial statues down. They're trying to remove them. If it's not by the, the city or the state removing them, the people there are, are removing them and throwing them into lakes or breaking their heads or doing it. anything in any way to show that to their government that they want to fight against these issues. That was the voice of Bridget Amaya, and this is the voice of Eric Mann to transition to Jenny Martinez. You know, uh, England is one of the most disgusting countries, but a lot of white Americans in particular love British comedies, British this. It's called the United Kingdom. What do you think that means 
uh, it's called the British Empire. Once they said the sun never sets on the British Empire. What they mean by that is we own China. We own, you know, Latin America. We own everything. So wherever the sun is, is it never sets on the British Empire. There's a, in, in, I don't know as much, but I'll just say a few thoughts. In Britain, there are Africans who obviously hate uh, Britain. There are black people who hate Britain. The Pakistanis and other uh, Asians of color have uh, identified as black. So the black movement in, in, in England is very deep and England is a disgusting country. So the, as you were pointing out, it's not just the solidarity, it's that there is a Black Lives Matter. You know, when I was in Paris for the uh, UNFCC, I had a waiter from uh, Morocco that used to be owned by the French. And he see, you know, he sees a Jewish guy sitting there and eating food. And he says something, and I said, well, you know, I hate Britain. I hate France. I hate the United States. And he was smiling. The next day I came in, he says, all right, let me tell you, I hate it too. And I'd like to burn the whole goddamn place down. And not only that, this is a sick, sick country. You don't know what they did in Morocco. You don't know what they did in Tunisia. Hey, brother. It's like he went home to be always, and when I came back, it was like Mr. Anti-Colonial. But he says, I fume every day. I hate this life. I hate the French. So that's what Black Lives Matter has generated. You're on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, uh, streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. So Channing Martinez, I mean, um, as a black man, as a member of the Strategy Center, as a candidate for city council, just as a, you know, just yourself, what do these events mean to you? What are you thinking about? I know you're playing a very active role in the movement, doing a very fine job representing the Strategy Center. But what's going on in your head? I'm very interested in just what are people thinking at this point in history. This is all geared towards winning the vote tomorrow at the Los Angeles Unified School District to cut police by 50%, then 75%, then 90%, and then 100%. Where are you at? What's on your mind? Well... It, the thought that I had this moment um, today that I also said in a press conference earlier is that this is really a big culmination of a lot of what we've worked for over the last 15 to 20 years. And what I then further went on to say is everything that we've won as a movement, a lot the Strategy Center, but other folks as well, right? So and we got rid of the truancy tickets, $250 tickets that targeted black males in particular, but black and Latino folks in general. Willful defiance, right? We won the LA School Climate Bill of Rights and the Equal Protection Plan. We got rid of tanks. Why did the LAUSD even have a tank, right? Um, and military grade weapons. Uh, students deserve got rid of uh, pepper spray and got rid of uh, random searches of students, right? And all these great victories. And so, you know, I'm sort of feeling proud, but I'm also trying to figure out how do you continue to organize and continue to build, especially in a time where we're most vulnerable to health, right? Um, and, you know, some of us can sacrifice, but others can't, right? I'm immunocompromised and I, you know, I have to choose whether I wanna go to a rally or not um, and if it's really important, I go because it is a sacrifice. But many of our folks who are working class, they don't have that luxury to even say, I'm going to go to a rally if I'm immunocompromised, right? Um, and so that's part of what I'm feeling. The other um, thought that I came to today is when someone asked about, do you have any records of use of force of LA school police, my brain quickly moved to, well, their presence alone is a excess of force, right? A psychological excess of force. And so if you're seeing police killed in the streets and you're seeing basically yourself, what can be yourself killed in the streets, 
the last thing you want to do is show up to the place that you spend the most time at and see the actual statue of them right there reminding you that you can be killed at any moment, that we can pull out our gun and we can do it at will and get away with it. Um, so that's, those are a few thoughts. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking, you know, everything for me is an article. It's a way of trying to be relevant. So I'm working on an article in my brain, which is just a comment about the concept of sudden death. Um, how many black people, you know, say, see you, I'll see you later, honey. And they walk out in the street, they open up a bottle and they're killed. All right, I'm just going to the gym. I'll be back. And then you're dead. I'll, I'll just take a nap in my car and you're dead. I have a barbecue. Somebody called and said, I'm too loud. And then I'm dead. It's hard to grasp the terror behind what the black community is feeling right now, the rage, but also the fear, which is at this point generating a great movement. But for all our listeners, especially those who are not black, the to try to grasp the reality of black sudden death at the hands of police and the impact, not just on the families that are devastated, but everybody else, the terror that some parents feel about sending their kids to school and wonder if they're going to get home. Okay. So that's important what you just said. And and a last question for you is, you know, you, you have been liking sort of be a behind the scenes person. You know, you're very powerful inside the strategist and you're very powerful in our relationship, but I'm the one who's seen you most powerful five years, but now we're saying, all right, what do you think about running for city council? And I think you did an amazing job. Now, you're one of our leading representatives in the whole movement. You're on every single Zoom call that I hope ends sometime soon. Uh, what's going on in, in your own transition about your own evolution, which I know for you begins with, all right, if the job needs to be done, I'll do it. But tell us a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's also where I'm at in terms of how do you recruit because I have been doing a lot of social media in the past and producing the show, right, um, and managing strategy and soul. And, you know, one of the interesting things, which is bittersweet, is that since the pandemic, strategy and soul has had to be closed, right? Yes, and, um It's both a relief, but it's also like one of the greatest symbols of our work. And so... I'm wanting to already figure out how do you move to reopen it um, with social distancing and being healthy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and so that's one piece. The other piece is, I don't know, it's just, I just have to do a lot of preparation, um, mainly because I get, uh, you know, I don't know how you call it, like social anxiety, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so I have to do a lot of preparation with myself. And a lot of times it's not necessarily whether I know a concept or can explain the concept. It's whether I feel comfortable being in front of the crowd and being depended on to relay a whole movement, uh, relay a whole organization and relay thoughts from a bunch of people. Um, and it takes a lot of prep to even get in your head and, you know, kick the cop out of your head, right? And tell yourself you have a lot of self-confidence and you've done the work, you deserve to be here. And people are counting on you to say a very important thing in the most creative and most outrageous way as possible. Well, that's a beautiful end to the show. I mean, one thing a lot of listeners don't understand is that, you know, for those who say you're so spiritual and blah, 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 we are spiritual people in, involved in a revolution. One of the things we are psychological people, we all as a strategy center say, center yourself. When I have an important call, I say, leave me alone. And for an hour, I, I meditate because I don't want to bring craziness into the call because there is a lot of craziness in my head that it's, you know, bad enough, I got to live with it. But I don't want anybody else to live with it and I don't want to sabotage my own work. So, Everybody has demons, everybody has doubts. And if you don't, you're pretty stupid because you have them. You don't even want to face them. So 
you know, we're hardcore revolutionaries are trying to be, but we take meditation seriously. We take uh, cultural work very, very seriously. We take art, films, music, meditation, yoga, take care of your health, good food. We're there, but at the heart, we're revolutionaries. We're not health food people. We're not meditators. We're not yoga people, but we do all those things. So this is Eric Mann, you're on Voices from the Frontlines. Some of you are going to hear this now as a podcast before tomorrow's vote. Channing, when, when after we stop this, if you can get all the board information and tell people call this and call that, that's going to be the end. Is that okay, the end of the show? Including if we could resend out our A Great Breakthrough flyer, because it said everything, and I went back and saw it, we could just update a little bit, but the point is, how can people find that? All right, you get what I'm saying. The, the punchline is from you or Kiana, if you want to get involved tomorrow at the board meeting, how would you do so? And secondly, if you're hearing this at three o'clock on Tuesday, most likely the tremendous board vote is taking place right around now. Check out Voices from the Frontlines. We're going to do an update on our website. And you're involved with an organization making history. And we've reached out to Dr. Molina Abdullah, who's making history. Board member Monica Garcia is making history. Bridget Maya and Channing Martinez and myself, who are doing everything can, who are doing everything we can to make history as well. Zarek Mann, the host of Voices from the Frontlines, thanking you for being a regular listener. We would love mail at Eric at Voices from the Frontlines. Please send us an email, Channing at the Strategy Center. Put them both together on the email and just send it to us. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next Tuesday at 3. Hopefully to tell you that we're moving aggressively for no police in the schools, but let me say one more thing. We're, we're winning now. The, the, it's not going back. They're buying, they're fighting for time. They want to be counselors. They want to be friends. No, they're going. The police are getting out of the schools and the police are going to get out of the cities. This is Eric Mann on Voices from the Frontlines. Say it every week. All power to the people.